welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Today's a special day. I got a couple announcements for us. One is today's a special day. Today is January 9th, and it's the beginning. (laughs) January 9th. Yeah, woo! Well, anyway, I don't know if that means something to you, but for us, that's the beginning of our 21 days of prayer and fasting here at City Chapel. So every January since we started this church seven years ago, hard to believe, um, seven years ago, January 25th, um, we've always begun the month, began begun began I don't know if we began or if we begun the month I'm not sure anyway we started out the year um, in January by taking time aside and dedicating it to God Uh, with all the things that I know you all have to do in your lives I have to do in my life we have to do as a church um, we believe that it's important to take time out and begin the year started off right and by prayer and fasting by pulling away from some things that normally absorb our time and our energy like, uh, like, like, like a lot of unnecessary food. Um, come on, Americans. A lot of unnecessary food. We, we eat a lot of times just, just for enjoyment, just for pleasure, just for fun, just for social activities. So what we do is we take 21 days and we pull away from all of those things in order that we might connect with God and lean into God in this time. And so we want to have you join us. This isn't just the pastors or the leaders of the church. Uh, Traditionally, this is the entire church. And even those of you watching from home and you don't feel comfortable coming in person, well, that's great. You can pray and fast right where you're at. Um, you You just don't go to your refrigerator. That's what you do. And then you spend time in prayer. And so for us, we're doing what's called the Daniel Fast. And if you want to learn more about that, you can look at our website. If you go to our website, it's on the main page. Um, But the Daniel Fast is basically taking from the book of Daniel, where Daniel, uh, for a period of time, set aside uh, all, like, really everything that's good, actually. Um, So he only ate vegetables and fruit and whole grains, okay? That's, That's all he ate. He did not eat what I normally eat, which is uh, pizza, like, you know, cheese, dairy. He didn't eat any dairy, didn't eat any milk, didn't eat any cereal, didn't eat any sugar, uh, which is also a main staple of my diet. And then he didn't eat any meat either. You don't eat no meat uh, for, those, uh, for those 21 days. And, uh, but, but you do eat nuts, I guess. You get protein from nuts, they tell me. And so, anyway, it's not the same, but I'll tell you. Um, but the idea is that we're pulling away from some of this stuff that normally just clouds our vision, clouds our minds, actually. So a lot of this food does. And just preoccupies us. And when you pull away from that stuff and you say, look, I'm only going to eat what did I say? Vegetables and fruits and whole grains. I mean, for me, it's basically tomato soup for dinner, right? With no milk or anything. Just tomato soup for dinner and no coffee. That's, that's tough. Uh, tomato soup for dinner. I eat Triscuits, whole, like, tri- like the, the original kind with nothing on them, just plain. And I drink water. And, um, and sometimes I'll get those, those the naked juices because it's just, it's just juice. So anyway, so that's, that's kind of how, how, how I live. I don't know. You can eat like regular, if you popcorn, if you pop popcorn without any like butter on it. Anyway, so there's a lot of ways that we can, that we can survive this fast. But the goal is not to survive. The goal is to connect with God. 
So, um, but Donna was listing some stuff. I don't know. She posted some stuff on Facebook about this. So you can check out her post if you want. But uh, for us, we're just going to lean into God. We're going to meet and pray every um, day of the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be here at the church. Uh, Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday, it's going to be 6 o'clock. So if you want to join us, come at 6 o'clock. And then on Wednesday night, we're pushing a little bit later, and we're going to have child care on Wednesday night. So it's 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. We're going to have a, a worship team here, and we're going to lead us in some worship. We're going to uh, preach for just a minute, and then we're going to pray. And this Wednesday night, actually, we're going to have a different prayer focus every Wednesday night. And so if you don't come to any of the nights, come on Wednesday night, um, because I, I really believe that this is a time for our church to come together and pray around particular um, areas. And so this Wednesday, we're going to pray about identity, and we're going to seek God about finding our identity. Last week, I preached a sermon on identity, and I just feel like that's something that God's speaking to us, that we need to find our identity in Him, in Christ, in who He is, and what He's done for us. And we need to lay down some of the lies of the enemy that we've believed about ourselves. And so um, if that's you, if that resonated with you last Sunday, or if that resonates with you now, please come and pray. Seek the Lord with us. We're going to spend some time in worship. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And I believe God's going to speak to us about who he has called us to be and how he sees us. Um, Pastor Rocky and Janice are going to be helping us with that as well. And so anyway, it's going to be a good time Wednesday night. Um, but every every single day, um, there, there probably will just be a few of us. We'll be spread out. We'll be here in the room, and we'll just go to the Lord in prayer and just see what he wants to say. And what I've seen, and this is something that I have seen every single year we've done this. This is now our seventh year. But um, every year except last year, we, we, we would meet in person. Last year, because of the pandemic, um, we did not meet in person. Instead, we met on Zoom. Um, but what I've seen, and even, even actually last year, the people that faithfully met on Zoom, um, it does something to you. It changes uh, something inside of your heart for the rest of the year. When you dedicate this time to God, when you say, I'm going to lean into God, I'm going to press into God, I'm going to lay aside some things, I'm going to sacrifice to know God, to press in, to, to become closer to God. Really, the way the scripture says, it says, it, God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so if you're, if you're feeling stagnant, if you're feeling stuck, I've seen so many. It's not, it's, it always surprises me, the people that come every night to prayer. It's usually not the super spiritual people. <laughs> it's not the prayer warriors oftentimes. It's the people who are hungry for more of God. And so I guarantee you, if you're hungry, you will be filled. It is the hungry mouth that is filled. And if you come seeking, God will answer you. And this year, 2022 can be different, can be better than 2021. Because you sought God at the beginning of the year. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Just like you guys are seeking God right now at the beginning of the week, uh, and it's going to affect the rest of your week, and it's going to make you the rest of your week set it off on the right foot, even the same is true uh, the first of the year. And I could preach a whole sermon about firsts, but anyway, we won't get into that. Um, but if you have a Bible, turn to Daniel. Let's look back um, at the same scripture that we looked at last week. I want to I stay there in Daniel chapter 1, and I actually don't have it on my iPad, so they're going to have to put it up there on, on the screen. So the same stuff from last week, Daniel um, chapter 1, and we're looking at the story of Daniel, and especially how Daniel was able to live in a completely pagan culture, a completely messed up culture, the Babylonian culture, to live as a slave in a pagan culture. So he, he really didn't have a lot of freedom or a lot of options or choices. And yet, he was able to not just survive that, but he was able to influence the culture that he lived in. He was able to live with truth and compassion. 
right? He held on to the truth of his God, the truth of Yahweh, the truth of the scriptures that he had. He held on to those truths, and at the same time, he was able to love those around him. And we see this. He loves the king. It's crazy because the king is the one who kidnapped him, right? And yet when he has a bad interpretation or a bad word, from a, a negative word from the Lord for the king, uh, he says, oh, king, I wish this was for your enemies, right? Because he actually cares for these people. And I believe that we ought to have empathy. We ought to, act, ought to actually care for the people around us, the world around us, but yet not become like the people around us and the world around us. Uh, one, one passage that I do know we have uh, f- uh, uh, for up on the screen is found in John chapter 17. Jesus prays this prayer for his disciples, but also for all of those that would follow after his disciples. He said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, even though I think sometimes that would be my prayer. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> come on. Uh, tired of COVID, tired of division, tired of politics, tired of selfish people, tired of idiots, <laughs> tired of dumb people, tired of having to put up with all this mess. Lord, just take me out of the world. Just, let's just, just, can we just be done with this? Can you just come back and rescue us because this world is crazy? It's out of control. There's so many negative things. Every time I turn on the news, something bad is happening. Somebody's shooting up some school or some mall or some... Like, it's crazy. Like, we're living in bizarre times. And yet Jesus said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, even though this is what I think a lot of us would like, but rather, he says, that you would protect them from the evil one. In other words, God's plan is to keep us in the middle of chaos, in the middle of Uh, negativity in the middle of sin in the middle of the craziness but rather to protect us while we are here in the earth from the evil one and how does the evil one come at us the evil one primarily attacks us through lies deception is his primary tool and so and so what jesus is saying that's why he says that's why he says i have given them your word because his word is the greatest tool against the, the lies of the enemy, against the de- deception of the enemy. So he says, I've given them your word. I'm asking you to keep them in the world, but don't let them become of the world. Rather, protect them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, verse 16, even as I am not of the world. And so he says, I want you to sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. So today I want to talk to you really about uh, the story of, of Daniel. And if, if they get chapter one, that's cool. And they can maybe just wave me down whenever you get it. But, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll just quick recap the story for you from last week. What happened was David and his friends and his family were carried away captive from their home in Jerusalem. They were captured by this much greater, much more brutal country known as Babylon. Um, Babylonians were incredibly brutal. Uh, Daniel would have suffered greatly to become a slave. So he would have been castrated um, most likely without anesthesia Um, he probably would have been marked in some other way too as well either by ripping off one of his ears or branding him like you brand cattle 
Um, the Babylonians were pretty brutal with their slaves, and then they would have been put to work. Um, some of them probably would have died from the hard labor pretty quickly. Uh, they weren't used to it. Daniel's parents, I assume, didn't make it very long. Daniel would have been about 17 years old when he was kidnapped and taken to Babylon. His parents would have been sent probably out into the fields and work, working hard labor in the Middle Eastern sun, and they probably wouldn't have lived very long. Uh, Daniel and his friends, however, were selected because they were sons of, of noblemen, um, of folks that were kind of well off. Um, they were and, and, and they were young. They were selected to live in the palace and to serve in the palace. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of, of Babylon, thought that, hey, if I can get some educated kids in here, maybe I can train them up and they, can, they don't have to go out in the fields. They can serve us here in the palace. And so that's what uh, Daniel and his friends would have been uh, sort of um, brought in to do. And, and so we, we, we looked at that last week about one of the things that that, that that Babylonian culture began doing was they started, they needed to indoctrinate the Hebrew people in their culture. And so they began to train them in the language and literature of Babylon, and they changed their names. And that's why I talked about identity last week, because what this, what, what, the culture is not the enemy, but the enemy, Satan, will use culture to relabel you and me and re-identify us and give us new names, not the way that God created us to be, but the way that culture sees us, either according to our skin color or according to our, uh, our, our economic status or according to the side of the tracks that we grew up on or according to our past, according to the fact that we've been in prison or not been in prison or according to the fact that we've been married multiple times or you know it's, it's it's almost like once once you begin to live as soon as you start breathing culture labels you as something either an oppressed or an oppressor you know uh, culture loves to label you as something and they, they 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 love to try to shove you into their box and they will rename you they will call you something different than what god has called you and then as you live and as you make mistakes and as you sin and as you, as you live your life, the, the culture will then look at your past and will label you based on your past. And the truth is that God hasn't labeled you according to any of those things. He knows what he placed inside of you, and he wants to bring that out. I believe he wants to bring that out in 2022. Come on, somebody. Anybody ready to find out who God has made them to be? And stop living according to the, the, like the layout that other people have, the track other people have set for you? Man, it's so important that we get a hold of God. And so in Daniel chapter 1, we find that, 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 that they are renamed. And if we can bring up uh, the passage there, um, let's just go through. Um, I've already kind of covered a lot of Daniel chapter 1, but um, give, give me like the second slide or so if you have it. You, you got it? Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, these, are, these are the type of young men, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. And they were trained in the literature, uh, language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food. Yeah, verse 5. So this is the next thing they did, is they changed their eating habits. And this, this was, at first glance, it seems like they're being treated well because they're fed far better than the other slaves. And it is true, they are being fed well according to Babylonian standards. But what's really happening is they are, they are changing the culture that the Hebrews came from. And they are asking, they are forcing the Hebrews to give up the dietary restrictions that God had set for them in the law of Moses. And because of that, Daniel and his friends are faced with a choice right here. 
They, they're, they're being told that the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. This would have been tr- food that would have been all, uh, offered to idols, mo- mo- most likely. This would have been meat like bacon that they weren't allowed to eat. Uh, this would have been the kind of stuff that God said, I don't want my people eating this. All right, but the king doesn't know about that, and the king honestly doesn't care about that. And the truth is, culture also doesn't care about what your Bible says. Culture really has a particular view of what you should eat, of how you should live your life, and how you should identify with your sexuality, how you should be married, how you should raise kids. Culture has a particular idea, and it has nothing to do with, 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 with what God has said. And, 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 and Daniel knows that. And so, and so they're being trained for three years after that they were entered the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, uh, Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, right? And we talked about that last week. Um, but in verse 8 is what I want to look at. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And instead he asked, and, and I like that. I like the humility of Daniel. And so the, the goal of, of this sermon series as we walk through Daniel is not to like give you guys like the truth of God's word so that you can be right and you can know that you're right and that everybody else is wrong. Um, it, being right is, is whatever. It's, it's, it's far better to be effective. It's far to live because no one ever came to Christ because they lost an argument. Okay, so my goal is not to train you so that you're right, so you can go argue with all those wrong people out there. Those of you guys watching online, you know, I'm not trying to train you in your home so you can become keyboard warriors for Jesus. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. Like that's a whole nother thing. That that's this culture actually. That's Babylon. Babylon loves to be right and to argue with everybody that they think is wrong. This is not the love of God. Okay, look at Daniel. Daniel asked the chief official. Daniel did not engage the chief official in a debate about why bacon is unclean. (laughs) Right? He didn't go in and say, okay, this is unclean. No, it's not. That's just fine. No, this defiles you spiritually. No, actually, I eat this and I feel fine. Well, that's because you're a sinner, Azariah. He didn't engage him on the level of debate. Instead, he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself. This is the goal of us knowing what we believe. This is the goal of being sanctified by the truth of God's word. Not that we go out and we we prove everybody else wrong, but that we live our lives so that we do not defile ourselves. Daniel asked permission. He humbly said, look, can, can I opt out of this? Now, God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, and notice how it keeps talking about that, the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel. It's so important. If, if, If you're going to engage this culture, you have to understand the levels of authority that God has put in place. I'm not saying, not saying the chief official was a good guy. I'm not saying the guy who appointed the chief official was a good guy. But I am saying that God is sovereign and God is good. And I am saying that your boss might be a jerk, but the God, the God who allowed your boss to be your boss is not a jerk. You can work under a jerk if you trust the God who's above the jerk. You know what I'm saying? You, Daniel is not, like, he, constantly scripture is telling us, okay, this is the guy who was appointed. It's important that we show honor to people, not because they earn it or deserve it, but because of where they have been appointed. And if we understand that God has appointed all powers, 
whether they're presidents or kings or queens or, or, or uh, 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 senators or congressmen, that all authority has been given by God. And Daniel is walking under that authority. He's not, he's not a rebel. He's not trying to start a revolution, right? He's working with the authority that he's been given. And he asks this question in verse 12. Please test your servants for 10 days. And he goes on to ask for the dietary restrictions that would have lined up with the law of Moses. But those words, please test your servant for 10 days. 10 days. 10 is the number uh, in Scripture a lot of times of testing. It's, a, it's the same thing in Revelation. We don't have that passage, but Revelation 2 verse 10 Uh, God says that he's going to send the church there into a time of testing for 10 days where the devil will attack them and and they will go through tribulation for 10 days. There were 10 commandments. Uh, Oftentimes in Scripture, 10 days is a time of testing or trial or tribulation or difficulty. Right? The tribulation would be a, a, a figure of 10. And so, so many times, uh, Daniel says, test us for 10 days. And, and what I want to talk to you about today is, is that you will be tested and that your faith will be tested. That if you're going to live for God in this culture, if you're going to love well and hold fast to the truth of God's word, your faith, your faith, your personal faith will be tested. And some of us are going through this testing right now. Some of us are in the room and their faith is being tested, right? Uh, I, was, I, was, I, I picked up Jason uh, to come to prayer Wednesday night. We were listening to this book by Chris Hodges on Daniel. And he's talking in chapter 5, I think it is, where he's talking about the testing. And, and, J- and Jason's like, man, this is good. What, what, what is this? I said, man, this is the book that I'm, I'm reading while I'm preaching. <clears throat> and he said, well, I'm going through a test right now. And so many of us are going through tests right now. The question is not, will you be tested? The question is, how will you respond to the testing of your faith? Because all of us will experience testing of our faith. And, 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 and I think, and, I, and I, I, I'm afraid that, we, that because of our view of God, we often view tests in the wrong way. We are afraid of tests. We try to avoid tests. We pray against, we rebuke tests. We try to cast it and bind it and cast it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we try to get the behind me test. And uh, we, 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 we try to, we try to, uh, you're, you're under my feet test. And, uh, you know, I, I, I name it and claim it against this test. We, we come against the test of God. And yet, the test is from God. Therefore, the test is for your good. Let me just tell you something. I believe that anytime God wants to use you, anytime God wants to take you to the next level, in your walk with him, your intimacy with him, anytime he wants to give you spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit, he will give you a test of your faith. Testing of the faith is good. This is actually a great thing. And, but, but yet I think because we have a version of God who just wants to make us comfortable all the time, as soon as we enter difficult tests, we imagine that it's not from God. And so there's a couple wrong ways that we respond to tests. And the first one is we we think it, it's the devil attacking us. <laughs> you know, and that's why we rebuke it. That's why we come against it. It breaks down and we start casting out demons out of the, the, the engine, you know. And, and because we imagine that because we're going through a test, well, God wouldn't do it, do it, do it, put us into anything uncomfortable or difficult. And so therefore, it must be the enemy. It must be the devil. He must be coming against me. And have you ever noticed when you start to do what is right, you start running into resistance? 
And so we say, aha, the devil's trying to stop me, so I need to fight my way through this. But no, no, no. The reason why you're meeting resistance oftentimes when you start to do what is right is because you're just coming back to the same test you ran away from last time. <laughs> Come on. Like, any of you ever been to school before? Have you passed any tests that you got up and ran out of the class? Like, you always got an F on those, didn't you? I was homeschooled, and even I didn't pass those tests, right? Like, like if the stuff, the test you don't take, you fail all the time. But the good thing with God is, He doesn't just write you off as a failure. As soon as you come back to Him, He's like, aha, great. Sit right here. I have this test ready for you. You know, the one you ran away from last time. The one you rebuked and got mad at and got bitter at me because of last time. Remember that one? Yeah, well, we have the same test. Why? Because, because he's trying to teach us something? No, because he loves us and he wants to build us up. And so anytime he wants us to get closer to him, he puts us through a test. Anytime, look, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, like this is just chapter 1. There's a couple other chapters in the book of Daniel. He's going to go through some stuff. And God right now is testing him in the most gentle way possible. He's testing him on his private commitment to God. Now, later on, he's going to get, they're going to get tested with a fiery furnace, and that's a different kind of test. That's a 2.0. That's college algebra. You know what I'm saying? That's, I was bad at math, so college algebra is as far as I got. But, I mean, that, like, that, that's a whole other level. That's where you got to start using the calculator and graphing stuff out. I mean... But, but, but God, God, God will take you right where you're at, and he will begin to test your faith right where you're at. And the very first test Daniel faces is a test of private commitment to God. He doesn't have to jump into a fiery furnace. He doesn't have to be beheaded or cut into a million little pieces. He's not, he's not facing, you know, certain death. This is just a private matter. It's just him and God. In fact, the king and the guys appointed and all the guys, they don't even know about this, 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 this Hebrew rule about what they should eat and shouldn't eat. And, 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 and the, the test here is for Daniel just to speak up in public about his private commitment. Well, some of you guys are like, all right, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done, all right, I'm done. Uh, I, I'm not even looking at the fiery furnace, but I'm not going to post anything on Facebook, right, and tell anybody, let anybody know I'm a Christian. Like, this is, this is one of the beginning tests, is are you willing to share with others, and, like, publicly, things that you hold true privately? Are you willing to maybe rock the boat a little bit? Not in judgmentalism, but in, hey, the, I can't participate in that. You guys can, but I can't. Others can, but I, I am resolved not to. I have this private commitment to God. I have this standard that I'm living by. This is the first test for Daniel. And this test is for his good. Let me tell you, everything that God asks us to go through is for your good. He never does anything just for himself. He never does anything just for others. It's for your growth. It's for your benefit. James 5, I think we do have this passage. James 5.11 tells us, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered through, 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 through trials. We count as blessed or lucky, highly favored, those who have persevered through trials. You've heard, in fact, of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Look at that, what the Lord finally brought about. Wait a minute, what the, what the Lord finally brought about? If you go read the story of Job, you're going to find that there is a devil who is attacking Job. Do you guys have the heat on or something? It feels a little warm. 
Maybe, maybe the AC, if we could get the AC. It's, it's actually warming up outside in Texas. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you're putting me through a test. Like, all right, can you, can you, can you, how long is it going to leave that jacket on? I'm going to take that off. I see, I see what's going on. But, but he says what the Lord brought about. Now, if you go read the story of Job, you're going to see that the devil goes to God and God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And, and the devil says, yeah, I've considered him, but I can't get to him because you put a shrubbery around him. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hedge. It's a shrub. You know, it's a bush. And, and that's how powerful Satan is. He can't step over bushes. And so... I'm just saying, there's a hedge of protection. That's what it says, it's a hedge. So, you know, and so he's like, I can't get to him because you put up that little shrubbery and like I, a bush, I can't step over it. I can't get to him. And, and God says, oh, I can move that. And so God moves the bush. I don't know how he moved the shrub or the bush, but he gets rid of the hedge and Satan has, has, a, has a, free, just a free pass to attack Job. So I guess technically you're not wrong when you say the devil's attacking you. It's just your focus is wrong. You're focused on the devil attacking you instead of the God who opened up the door for the devil to attack you. <laughs> now wait a minute. Why would God open up the door for the devil to attack you? What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah, because God wants to test your faith. Not because, not because he wants to see like where you're at or some kind of sick game where he figures out like are you really faithful or not. No, he's trying to build you. You see what the Lord finally brought about. What the Lord finally brought about was immense blessing for Job. He doubled all of his money. He doubled all of his cattle. And he doubled all of his kids. He got to keep the same wife. So there you go. He restored his marriage. There you go. <laughs> like this is what God, God has a plan through every test. And sometimes we're so busy fighting the test that we don't actually grow through the test. Uh, Pastor Rocky is watching online. Pastor Rocky was sharing with me uh, a little while back, and I, I think this is a really great example because so many of us who grew up in church, like we were taught to fight. Anytime you get resistance, it's the devil. Rebuke it. You need breakthrough in 2022. Ha, come on. Breakthrough in 2022. Anytime you hit resistance, you need to get breakthrough, right? And so I don't know if you guys can see online, but there's, there's some steps here, right? And so there's this step right here. And if you're on this step here, and you're like the size of my hand, and, and you come up against resistance because whenever you get to a new level there's a there's a certain period where things are great and things are wonderful and you're like oh man this is awesome look how flat look how open look how fast I can run this is amazing I'm getting so close to God and then boom you run into resistance well what a lot of us do is we we say oh that's the devil so we need to fight that we need to break through that well if you break through this resistance right here you're going to end up under the stage <laughs> Like, and, 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 and if you sit down in the classroom and, and the teacher gives you a test and you're like, I rebuke that and take that back in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me. Like, <laughs> you're going to fight your teacher? <laughs> but that's what we do. We, we think we're fighting Satan. Really, we're fighting our teacher who is God. There are some things God doesn't want you to break through. There's some things God wants you to grow through. There's some things that God wants you to not just go, go through it, but rather to go up and then over. That's called a step. So in 2022, God might be asking you not so much, and, and, and I'm not saying that Satan doesn't exist because he does. I'm just saying that God, saying that God uses Satan to do his work all the time. 
And instead of simply fighting and rebuking something, look, you cast out demons. I know, I know so many people, they're so good at killing demons and so bad at submitting. Because every time they've reached a step and God's tried to take them to a step up and try to help them step up in their character and step up in their faith and step up in their patience and step up in their joy and step up in their faithfulness and step up in their long suffering. And, they, they, and they've refused to do that and they've just rebuked their way through it. And yet God's trying to get you to step up. God's trying to get you to rise up to a new level of living. That's what Romans, uh, I think we have this passage. Romans says, says it like this. Romans chapter 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, or I would say our, our trials or our tests, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's what Job had. And perseverance produces character. That's what God's trying to build in you. <laughs> and character produces hope. Pastor Harry, I just feel so hopeless. I, I'm just, I, just, I just don't know who I am in Christ. Build up your character. And build up your perseverance. And then you will have hope or confidence. So the test is not for you to fight your teacher. The test is not for you to even learn something. You don't learn anything in a test. The test is to build confidence in you that I know what I know. And I learned what I learned. And I actually grew through what I went through. And it's to build confidence so that you step into 2023 knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what he's capable of doing in you and through you, and walking boldly in the next level that God has for you. So this is what God wants. God doesn't just want you to fight all of your life. Indeed, there will be fights. The greatest fight, though, will be the fight for perseverance, the fight for character, and finally the fight to have confidence before God. And that's what I want all of us to have. If we're going to enter into our society and our culture and not be influenced by our culture, but rather influence our culture, we're going to have to know who we are. We're going to have to be confident. And that confidence doesn't come from Pastor Harry telling you who you are. That confidence doesn't come from Caleb singing about who you are. The confidence doesn't, it comes from you knowing who you are. And you know who you are when you go through something and you pass the test. And you, and you graduate to the next level. And you, you're, and, and you get a, more, a greater character than you used to have. And you have more patience than you used to have. And you have more stick to it or perseverance than you used to have. That's what produces hope. And so I want hope for all of us. I want all of us to live with hope and to live with confidence. And the way to do that is through going through a test. And so these tests are good. So if you're going through a test right now, congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. God, God's building you. Good job. You're doing great. Stick in it. Stay in it. Don't run from it. Don't pray against it. <laughs> Instead, pray that you would have perseverance to work your way through it. Ask, if you're going to get on the prayer chat, ask for prayer that God will give you patience as you work your way through it. Ask for prayer that God will give you strength as you work your way through it. Don't ask for him to remove it or take you out of the world <laughs> or take the world away from you or, or delete it from your Facebook profile. Like, like this is, no, no, ask God to give you patience and strength to work through it. All right, everybody? Sound good? All right, so, so the tests, uh, uh, the first point is you're going to have a test. The second point is, I don't know, you've been 
thinking about tests wrongly. Um, but the test is ultimately for your approval. And then finally, uh, every test, if you're going to pass the test, you have to study beforehand. In other words, you have to know what you believe beforehand. And so I think this is the final um, step, if you're taking notes, that I would like to give you, is that you need to settle in your heart what you believe and what you know. Daniel settled in his heart that, that, in order, that if, if he were to eat that food, it would defile him. Now, all of his friends, all of his colleagues, they didn't understand that. They're like, no, you can eat whatever you want, right? This is, eating doesn't defile you. Eat whatever you want. In fact, Daniel lived in Babylon, which Babylon was a, a, a pinnacle of, of, of sexual devi deviance, of all kinds of sin. Whether it, it, I mean, food was the least... In terms of my, uh, my, in my categories, like eating pork is, the, is like the absolute least bad thing Daniel could do in Babylon, okay? Drunkenness, uh, all kinds of parties, all kinds of orgies, all kinds of craziness. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, Dan, you can eat some pork. Like, just eat the pork, just don't go to the party, all right? But no, Daniel looks at the very smallest, what I would say is the smallest thing. And he says, I am going to hold fast to that. In my personal life. I'm not going to judge other people, but personally, I'm not going to eat that. And so, and so I believe that the, the, it's so interesting because, because he, he had already read the scripture at age 17. He already knew what God wanted from him in terms of his eating, and he decided to live by that. And so there's a few things that I think that you need to know and, and actually, I mean, I think with everything, if you're watching from home or wherever, like, like you need to read the scripture for yourself. Remember Jesus said in John 17, he said, I've left my word with them. And he said, I want you to sanctify them or make them holy by your truth and your word is truth. And so the word of God, the scripture is the thing that purifies us or makes us holy or sanctifies us or teaches us how to live according to God's standards. And when I read the word, this is how I get God's standard. Because if you don't ever read the Bible, and maybe that's, maybe that's your New Year's resolution, is that you're going to pick up the Bible once a week and actually begin reading it. Because if you don't ever read the Bible, you won't ever know what God's standard is. And instead, you'll base your faith on culture's standards. And so I just want to tell you just a few things with regard to a few points of what God's standard is. Now, I don't have any slides for this, but the first one I, I want to mention is finances. Uh, personally, uh, me and Ro, we live our lives under the truth of God's word. The, the, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything is his. So I live my life as if all of my money is God's. My house is God's. My cars are God's. My name might be on the loan or the deed or whatever, but I have given it over to God. And I, and I actually physically do that. Like in prayer, I say, God, I, I'm giving, like when I, when I first got my dream car and I was driving my dream car home from Louisiana, on the drive, I prayed and I said, God, this is your car. Anytime you want me to sell it, I'll sell it. Anytime you want me to give it to somebody else, I'll give it. Like this is your car. And by the way, you need to protect it. Take care of it. Make sure these little kids don't ding it when they open their doors at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? But if not, it's your car. You know, but if you could look after it like you look after your stuff, that'd be great, right? But, but I, I live my life knowing that my finances belong to God. God owns the bank. God owns the bank account. God owns the land that the bank is built on. God owns all the gold and all the hills that's basing all the money off of. And then even all the fake 
cryptocurrencies, like God owns that stuff. Like, like it's all his. Nothing is, humans haven't created anything. We have simply taken what already was and put it to good use, including the internet. Like that's not a world that we created. Like this is, this is something that God gave us a brain to be able to imagine and then create digitally. So anyway, like it's all God's. And so I live my life, and I would encourage you to live your life as if all your money is God's. Your culture will not tell you that. Your culture will tell you your money is yours. And you ought to keep it and scrape it and save them as much as possible and give as little as possible and share as little as possible because, because you don't know when you, might, when you might need it. Well, yeah, I know when I need it, whenever God thinks I need it. And so it's his money. And that's not to say that I live carelessly. That's not to say, but rather that's to mean that I live below my means because I don't want to waste his money. I don't want to spend his money just simply on me. Like the better, the more money I make doesn't mean the better I dress and the better I eat and the better I drive. It's not all, whereas our culture says the more money you make, now you need to improve yourself because that's what your money is for is to improve you, to make your life better. Right? So upgrade your life with your money. But Scripture says that all of my money is God's. Therefore, all of my money is to be used for His purpose. And it doesn't mean I don't spend money on myself. It means that every purchase, big purchase, I ask Him about. And then every time an opportunity comes to give financially to somebody else, I ask Him about it. And every month, I take 10% of everything that comes in. Actually, it's more like 20 or something. I don't know. But we, we, we take a bunch and we give it to the work of God through the local church called tithing. Right? We do that as a symbol that everything is God's. I'm not just giving God 10% and I keep 90. I'm giving him 10 as a symbol that I recognize all 90 is really his. And this is just some that I'm returning back to him. And so with regard to your money, I encourage you to think of it as Scripture teaches us to think about it, that it is God's. With regard to your family, I encourage you to think of your family the way that God thinks about your family. Right? So first, if, if, if you're a kid here, uh, the Bible says, children, obey your parents. And, and a, a child is somebody who still lives at home, who doesn't pay their own car insurance or rent, and doesn't feed themselves, all right? I don't care if you're 40. If, if that's you, you're a child. Like... <laughs> Like, that's just what you are, biblically speaking. If you can't live on your own, you're a child, biblically speaking. Like, this is, this is the way that it was diversified. So, so children, obey your parents. And when I lived at home, it, even if you're smarter than your parents, not saying I was, but, you know, just saying. Uh, even if, you're, if you think you're smarter than your parents, if you are more holy than your parents, right? If you're more kind, if you're actually a Christian and your parents are not Christians, if you're right and your parents are wrong, children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right, in the Lord, meaning, if this is Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, in the Lord means uh, you only obey them in stuff that, that, that is, is good. So if they tell you to go kill somebody, you don't do that. Right, this isn't the mafia. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, you, if, if, if they tell you to go get drunk with them, you don't do that. All right, so you obey the Lord, you obey your, your parents in the Lord. But this is what God's calling, this is what God's asking of you. And your culture won't tell you that. Your culture will tell you, hey, teenager, be your own person. Figure out your own standards. Do you, you do you, you figure out you, your parents, your boomers, those boomers are antiquated. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Which brings me to the other point. For those of us that are grown, Scripture says, honor your father and mother. That's different than obedience. 
honors to show preference or deference to somebody is to honor them. Not because they're great people. Maybe they weren't great parents, but because of the position that God has placed them in your life. So you honor them with your mouth. You don't dishonor them with your mouth. You honor them with, with your mouth, and you honor them with your life. So for, for, for Roe and I, when God called us to plant City Chapel, we called in and checked in with my parents because they're, they're, they're authorities in my life. Now, I'm not saying that they could be like, don't plant the church, and we wouldn't do it. <laughs> if God calls us to do it, then okay, this is what we're doing. But we're always going to check in with them. We're always going to ask for their advice. It's getting real quiet. Everyone's like, wait a minute. I, I've been bad-mouthing my mom all week. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know. I, I, she, she's crazy. Like, I don't know. My, yeah. No, man. Like, wh- like what, if God, what if God knew where he was placing you? When you honor your parents, you're not, you're not saying that they are wonderful and awesome and perfect. You're saying that God is sovereign and he is wonderful and awesome and perfect. And he places me in the exact right family. And he put me in the exact right city and state and country. He knew what he was doing when he made me. And I'm going to honor that person because of the, of the person who placed that person in my life. And the position that they hold in my life. And I guarantee you, when you honor your parents, even, even if you have a fractured relationship with them, even if they're not safe, sometimes they're not safe to be around, and that's okay. You can honor them from a distance. From a distance. You can honor them from a distance. No, you can speak well of them from a distance. You can engage with them from a distance. You can still call them every once in a while. They don't have to be lonely. Scripture says that those that don't take care of their own household and especially their immediate family, but their own household, meaning their extended family. They're worse than the infidel. And so God wants us to take care of our parents in their old age. God wants us to look after. God wants us to support. God wants us to honor. So that's what we do. So we honor our parents and then our spouses. Okay, Scripture teaches, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that, 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 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. In other words, husbands, we are to sacrifice ourselves for our wives. And the purpose of it, Ephesians tells us, is in order that our wives might be holy. So you have to remember that. Not so that they're happy. <laughs> Not happy wife, happy life. No, holy wife, happy life. My job is to help Roe become more like Jesus. Is to love her in such a way that she becomes more like Jesus. Now, if you love your wife and she, as she drags you from church to church to church to church, <laughs> that's not loving your wife. If you love your wife as she drags you from party to party to party, that's not loving your wife. So, so, so this is where... <laughs> getting real quiet in here so i'm just saying if you if you if you love your spouse but you you you, your love doesn't help them become more like jesus then you're loving in a way that culture wants you to love and not in a way that scripture wants you to love you say how can i love them in a way that gets them closer to jesus well first you get close to jesus and then as somebody who's close to jesus you will start to care about them actually becoming close to jesus not just bugging you (laughs) would you stop doing that why because this annoys me that's not a good answer. Because <laughs> they're not there to make sure you're not annoyed. You know what I'm saying? So when you love somebody to help them get closer to Jesus, you'll only ask them to stop doing things that hinder them from getting close to Jesus. You'll let them be more fully their true self that God's created them to be, and you'll learn to get along with them in that way. 
And so what's, what's, what's beautiful is God, 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 if you live according to God's way with regard to your family, uh, your, your parents, and just even your parents and your wife, I'm telling you, you'll be far more equipped to step into the workplace and start loving people like Jesus loves them. Because you'll practice at home. And, and that also goes with our kids. Scripture tells us to train up our children in the way they should go. Train is not to talk to them. That's not how you train people. It didn't say teach them in the way they should go. It said train them. You train people by taking them by the hand and walking with them, helping them do drills. Have you guys ever trained for anything, like trained for a marathon or something? Like you, you, you have to run first a mile every day, then two miles every day. And like, like you do it. And so, and so right now, your, your 12-year-old, your 8-year-old is being trained in the way that they should go. Is it a way according to Scripture? Are you spending time with them in the Bible? Are, are they reading their Bible right now every week? Are they praying every week? Don't expect them to do something when they get out of your house that they're not doing in your house. Because you're training them right now. You're training them on, on how to wake up and what to eat for breakfast. Thanks, Mom and Dad. I'm still eating Captain Crunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so it's not all the training's good, right? Some of it's really, really bad. You get addicted to sugar as a kid, and then you can blame your parents for the rest of your life. But no, I'm taking responsibility now. I'm 41. I can eat whatever I want, and I choose Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You know what I'm saying? I choose it because it's so good. <laughs> but, but you do, but you do set your kids off on a trajectory. And some of you know this because you, you're fighting against stuff that you were trained, ways that you were trained to relate to people, which was just awful and terrible. And you've had to fight that. Well, guess what? As Christian parents, we are to train our kids in good ways, biblical ways to relate to people. Train them in joy. Train them in kindness. Train them in patience. Train them in long-suffering. In other words, I am long-suffering with them, and then I teach them how to be long-suffering with their sister. Or their brother, whichever is the particular annoyance of the day, you know. And so we train them. This is what Scripture says with regard to our family, with regard to our finances. Uh, I mean, I have a huge list here. Maybe next week's sermon is the rest of the list. Scripture says a lot about your sexuality. And our culture has a lot to say about your sexuality, which is not at all what Scripture says. Like, Scripture teaches clearly that sex is only for marriage. That the marriage bed is undefiled is actually what it says. In other words, sex outside of marriage is defiled. Sex outside of marriage is taking what God intended and it's abusing it. And it's using it for something that he didn't intend it to be used for. And yet, I mean, most Americans uh, really feel like sex outside of marriage is fine. Even people who call themselves Christians. 42% of the population, according to Barna Research, 42% of American populations call themselves Christians. And yet most of that population, that particular, what, what Barna calls notional Christians, and they're 42% of, the, of, 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 of our country, most of them do not believe in any moral absolutes. Meaning they judge what they should do based on how they feel in the moment. Which is no surprise as to why their sexuality is exactly how they feel in the moment. In other words, <laughs> uh, when they're married, they don't have any sex. And before they're married, they have a lot of sex. Which is the inverse of what God intended. God intended for you to wait to have sex until you're married, and then when you're married, to have a lot of sex. Well, it's real quiet in here again. I'm just telling you, 
Like, no, no, that's a Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5. You're supposed to be, like, in, infatuated with your wife and drunk with love for her. So go read it. Check it out. And it's the Word of God. It's not my opinion. And in fact, it's convicted me at times. I remember, like, 10 years ago I was reading that, and God was like, is that you? I'm like, well, no, not really, because we got kids now. And he's like, well, I don't care. I, I didn't say if, unless you have kids, because your culture says if you get kids, then you get busy, then you get distant. Like, hey, yeah, Harry, where did you learn this from? What did you? Well, I don't know. I guess movies. I guess Facebook. I guess this is just what's expected. Yeah, Babylon's messed up. It's really messed up. And that's why most of half of Babylon's getting divorced all the time. And so God wants sex to be in marriage and not be elsewhere. And yet our culture puts sex outside of marriage, but not in it. And removes it once you get married. And that, that's an absolute upside-down version. And so, and so you're going to have to decide that, though, before you go on the date. Yeah. You're going to have to decide that, though, if, if you're single. And if you're married, you're going to have to decide that right now. Is, my sexual, is, my, is, is our sexual habits, does it line up with the Word of God? Or is this just what we've fallen into? Is this just what my friends said? This is kind of what they do, and this is what... like. Is, is this just what I saw in, 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 in my culture, or is this the Word of God? It's so important that we read the Word of God. Go read Proverbs, first few chapters. You'll figure it out. And uh, it'll, it, it'll convict you, and it'll strengthen you. Because ultimately, God's Word is always for your good. God's plans, God's ways are always for your good. And so right now, uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. And I, I just feel like we need to respond to Him as we get ready to be dismissed and just respond to him with a, with, with a yes. That yes, God, I'm going to live according to your plan. One, it may just be yes, I'm going to read your Bible to find out what your Bible says about my life, about my sexuality, about my marriage, about my kids, about my family, about my finances, about holiness, about the Bible itself. Can I trust this book? <laughs> but Lord, we, from what we do know of your word, we say yes to it. Just whatever little bit we might know, we say, yes, we're going to live by that. That's going to define us personally, privately. Before any public thing happens, before we go out and try to win our neighbors or invite them to church even, I'm going to start living this in my own life privately. I'm going to take the truth of the word of God and I'm going to let it sanctify me and cleanse me and purify me. So Lord, our answer is yes. Our answer is yes, because we know that you're good and we know that your plans for us are good and your ways are for our benefit. You have our best interest at heart. You have wonderful things planned for us. You know how life is supposed to work. You know how marriage is supposed to work. You know how kids and family is supposed to work. And your ways are way better than Babylon's. Your ways are way better. And we trust you in that. Your ways are way better than our own. You're smarter than us. <laughs> You're, you're, you're wiser than us. And so we say yes to you. We say no to ourselves and we say yes to you. We say no to what we feel is right in the moment and we say yes to what you say is right. We submit to you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us strength as we're going through trials to hold on to that yes, to hold on to that commitment ultimately to maintain that connection, that private connection. Because that's, that's what, throughout the book of Daniel, that's what carries him. 
In fact, as you go into chapter 2, there's a very public problem that arises. And it is, in fact, this private connection that Daniel has with God that saves him. Or we decide in January to to maintain that private connection because we don't know what's coming up in chapter 2. We don't know what March holds or or June or July. But right now, we want to maintain this private connection with you. Where when no one's looking... We are living according to your word. When no one's asking and challenging us, we are living according to your word. We're applying it to our lives and we're saying yes to you. For those of us that have strayed and gone away and we've walked away from you, Lord, I pray as we come back, bring us right back to that same test that that we ran away from and help us, give us strength, give us perseverance. Give us a a stick-to-it kind of faith to this time actually lean into instead of pulling away from. Lean into what you're calling us to do in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming to church today. Yeah. (laughs) All right. little applause there. Um, Thank you for those that are watching from home. Look forward to seeing you either this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or next Sunday. Um, uh, Wednesday nights will be streamed online. The rest of the evenings, we will not be online, but um, we'll see you guys later. You're dismissed. You can walk about the cabin. You can move about.